0: You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Locked On Indians. I'm your host, Jeff Ellis of 24-7 Sports. I do record in my basement, so I apologize if you can hear the heater in the background. I am turning it off right now, but that might be something you could have heard there at the start of the show. It's cold in Milwaukee. I'm sorry, people. It's cold. Uh, and my basement sometimes ends up colder in the outside. In terms of other noises, one of the cats did just uh, come into the picture, so... Could have some meow, some other things, but uh, if you couldn't guess, it's another late recording for me. A little punchy as it's approaching 1 in the morning my time, and yes, I do have to teach at 8.30. So let's get into things. There's some news. Uh, not good news. Um, and it, it doesn't relate to the Indians now, but Katie Strang had a piece over on The Athletic about Omar Rascal and his second wife's um, domestic abuse allegations. And you say allegations because nothing was formalized. And, I mean, he was let out of his house in handcuffs because of concerns about this. Um, I can't remember the exact year on it. But eventually she, you know, recanted. And if there's one thing we've seen through time with uh, domestic abuse is how often uh, it, when it does occur that the victim then later recants a statement and, you know, they're trying to make things work. Uh, Omar Vizquel is now divorced from the second wife. But the other interesting thing, and the thing that stands out, um, in addition to just that terribleness of what's in the story, was that something happened when he was a double A manager that essentially led to him being fired, uh, and has not had a job since. If you're curious why Omar has been out of baseball the past few years after he had that uh, job in double A, it, it doesn't—you don't get the specifics to know exactly what happened, but. Something happened with uh, someone who used to be a team employee down there, and he was immediately suspended and then essentially fired early. Uh, So, uh, Omar Vizcala is done in baseball uh, pretty safely. The Major League Baseball is investigating the claims, and they've already investigated the other claims. And you put it all together, and there's enough smoke there to have some real concerns, and uh, this is he had a tenuous Hall of Fame case at best, you know. And and my whole view on Omar Vizquel with the Hall of Fame was uh, Kenny Lofton was a better player. You know that's that's the long and short of it, and uh, it, it well, and that's not one hundred percent true. My whole view is this: Omar Vizquel was never a top three player on a team he played for, and was never the best player at his position. Uh, he was always more of a secondary piece and is a secondary piece good enough for the Hall of Fame? And you're like, but Ozzie Smith. I'm like, well, Ozzie Smith, when you're doing era comparisons, was a better hitter. <laughs> like, there's a reason why he won an MVP. Uh, you have to do that whole thing with era comparison. He was a tenuous Hall of Fame candidate at best and I not someone I would have ever seen myself uh, going out of my way to vote for. I would have voted for Manny over him. Honestly, I would have voted for... Albert Bell over him. Albert Bell's peak years were good enough. Uh, I'm always going to be an Albert Bell apologist. Sorry, that's part of it. And he's also not the best human being. But this just hurts uh, Omar Vizquel's chances for the Hall of Fame with this coming out. And I mean, you read that article and it's hard to see him working in baseball again or really having an event honoring uh, Omar Vizquel anytime soon. It's it's not a good story, I and mean, right now, when you're the Indians, uh, and there's not a lot of news, we have to touch on it. We have to talk about it. Uh, boy, it's <laughs> interesting week for Indian stories. Uh, let's f- hook back around after discussing that. Let's talk about the fact that you guys see the David Dahl contract wasn't three million; it was two point seven with three hundred thousand incentives. Two point seven million. They like, <laughs> couldn't pull two points. Like, could have? I want to. Could we have started a Kickstarter? Like, you know, could I feel like? Can everyone in Cleveland give, you know, like two bucks so we could assign David Dahl? Uh, 2.7 million. Like, even if he's not healthy, that's, think about what Mercado gave him last year. It was so terrible. I mean, Dahl was an all-star in 2019, and he signed for 2.7 million with the chance to earn 300,000 in incentives to go play on a terrible team. Uh, two point seven. Again, I don't trust Mercado's is going to bounce back. I was very honest heading into last season that I had issues and concerns with Mercado because he's incredibly streaky. His rookie season, he was up, he was down, he was up, he was down. Uh, he had not shown consistent performances through the minor leagues. He had been kind of up and down player at points. You know, he started out as a shortstop. That was what you know this defensive uh, specialty, and it didn't work out. Moved to center field, and there were reasons you know the Indians liked him. He's supposed to be this plus center fielder. I felt like the defense kind of regressed a bit last year as well as he was uh, struggling as a hitter. You know, if you're someone who I I don't think there's any person out there who can really be like, yep, I'm comfortable with Oscar Mercado, center field, 150 games next year. There's no way you can feel that way. And a guy who just was an all-star two years ago and was hurt and has been hurt a lot, but $2.7 Ugh. Uh, other news around the game uh, with let's see, Seattle is adding relievers uh, they added um, Kenyon Middleton who the Angels let go, the Angels picked up Alex Claudio who the Brewers let go and then the Rangers are out there making moves, I don't know too much about the prospect that they got from Seattle but they trade Rafael Montero as a useful reliever to Seattle, uh, Seattle's at least trying to be better, I'm curious to see how they do and then what I thought was kind of crazy is the Reds go out and acquire another outfielder. That's right. Um, if you heard me talk at many times this year, the the Reds have all of this outfield depth. And then they went out and decided they needed more outfield depth. And they traded for uh, Scott Heineman. They gave up prospect Jose Acosta, who uh, is he really a prospect anymore? He was his 26-year-old shortstop who hasn't, you know, wait, this is not the right player. The link did not show correct. Uh, I linked out from from baseball reference, and it took me to, uh, to Jose Acosta, a pitcher who had only ever pitched in Japan, who's 26, not the 20-year-old uh, infielder who is totally a prospect, um, who's, you know, a nice little... Who knows what he could be? You know, it's a good flyer type of player for a player that uh, the Rangers, I mean, Heinemann, they had designated for assignment. So they got um, an upside pick there. You know, they got young shortstop prospect. That's perfectly good. Heinemann went to the University of Oregon, moved quickly through the minors. Uh, He's had 139 plate appearances in the majors and has a 590 OPS, a 53 OPS plus. It's not been good. If you go back and you want to talk about, you know, minor league performance, he did play well in the minors. If you go back to 2019, 46 games in the minors, he hit 347. I mean, through his minor league career, uh four seasons, he's a 303 hitter, 378 on base, 475 slugging. Has struck out a lot in those stops, um but the Reds if you forgot, you know, they already have Shogo Akiyama. They have Jesse Winkler. They have Joey Votto. Um, those are just the lefty vats here when I'm looking at the list. But, uh, you know, you got Nick Castellanos has to be out there. Um, they've just got uh, Arestus Aquino. They have all of Nick Senzel. Like, let's go and trade a prospect for a fourth outfield type when we already have uh, a roster full of outfielders. Um I I don't know what the Reds are doing. I don't understand that trade at all. Um and then also just want to talk about, you know, the Rays decide to resign Mike Zunino. I mean, good for him. Uh it's he's gonna get three million dollars guaranteed with the chance for more. They declined to four point five million He's coming back instead at three. That's uh you know he's not played super well the past few years. So getting another three million is a solid get by him. Uh, also shows just how bad the catching market is where they the rain the Rangers the Rays bringing back the guy who was largely ineffective for him last year. I mean he handles the staff well and that's what you wanted to catch a, the catching position. But uh, I mean. If I had to choose between Zunino at three million or Hedges at like, what's he going to be like two point five? I think I might just take the two point five with Hedges and split the difference. It's it's not a, a great situation. Uh, the Rays also added Joe Odom as another some more catching depth, and I was just looking at some of the other like minor deals. There's not too much stands out amongst those. Uh, the you know in this the relievers that were released. Uh, Musical chairs, uh, Brewers signed Louis uh, Peridomo, who was with San Diego. So if you're keeping track, uh, Brewers signed Peridomo, let go Claudio. Claudio goes to the Angels, who let go Kenyon Middleton, who signed with Seattle. Um, and we can probably just keep tracking these. Everyone, and it's relievers. Uh, we never know how they are going to work out, what they're going to be like year to year. Nothing is more volatile in baseball. So uh, teams are going to keep trying when there's halfway decent stuff there. Um, so, yeah, just as we go through and kind of talk about uh, players and news, it's it's relatively slow. We uh, The Vizquel news was probably the biggest bit of news today involving the Indians. Uh, there's still a few more talks about, you know, people kind of jumping in and adding more about the name discussion. But there's just not too much more we can know or can even add to the name discussion at this point in time so it's kind of one of those things where we're all sitting around waiting for some of the shoes to drop this is where baseball is kind of annoying right like the NBA the NFL within that first week everyone signed uh, a value and it's exciting and we have the you know the huge breaking news and when Baseball actually had a, a night with some interest. <laughs> the NBA got involved with the, the John Wall uh uh Russell Westbrook deal and uh you know they're still having bigger news and, and baseball we're just kinda sitting there. We're sitting back and uh waiting for things to happen and it's just you know, it 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 stinks. It, it it's another way where baseball is kind of blowing it. <laughs> like they're just sitting back, and what is an exciting thing for everyone else uh, in terms of major sports, like the first week of free agency. Here we are like months in and and nothing's really happening. Uh, The other bit of news today was uh, just to quickly touch on is that uh, the Major League Baseball says that not Designating the Negro Leagues as a major league before was a long-time oversight. I'm curious to see exactly how this will come to be. Are they going to integrate stats? How they want to, you know, go about um, putting together numbers? Or, you know, just announcing and saying that, you know, all of these players were major league players, which would that'd be kind of cool for a few reasons. Uh, you know, someone like Josh Gibson, who... Unfortunately, drank himself to death. You know, we never got to see him in the majors. Might have been one of the greatest power hitters of all time, but uh, was not part of Major League Baseball, would officially be part of Major League Baseball. And the other cool thing uh, with this would mean that uh, we've had female professional baseball players. Uh, Marsenia Lynn, or Lyle Stone, Tony Stone, she was known. Uh, I was introduced to her because my daughter has a book called Catching the Moon, which she quite enjoys which is all about uh, uh, Tony Stone's young life. And she was one of the three women to play professional baseball for the Indianapolis Clowns in the Negro Leagues. Uh, She was the first of that, making her the first uh, female to play in a professional baseball league. So this would then make her the first professional, first female major league player, right? And I know... Thanks to Major League, we know about the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League. Remember, because at the time, that was also a whites-only league, so someone like Tony Stone did not get a chance to play. So, playing in 1953 for the Indianapolis Clowns, it's reported, though there are contentions about the statistics, that she hit .364, fourth-highest batting average in that league uh, the next year, her average would drop to the 240s, and she'd end up being traded to Kansas City Monarchs and then retiring from baseball. Because especially when you're playing in you know, a Negro League baseball, uh, the pay wasn't always there. And she had the ability to go be a nurse, and sometimes life happens, and it's unfortunate. But uh, if you have a little kid, Catching the Moon is the name of that book. I can't think of who wrote it off the top of my head. Uh, we, My daughter is three, so we do kind of do the abridged read of it. It's a good chance to learn about Tony Stone, who might have today become officially the first woman to play for a you know a major league baseball team, a major league squad. Uh, we'll have to see what the designations are going to be, but uh, a part of baseball history that we should certainly know and talk about. And you know, I, just when I I saw that occurred today with the integration of you know calling the Negro Leagues major league baseball, it just made me think about that book uh, that my daughter has been at least once a week, pulls out, I feel like, of late and has us do the abridged read of. She uh, she likes to throw the baseball and the football and just pretty much any of the, the balls you can throw end up getting thrown around the basement of my house. Let's dive into, since we did some history, a little bit of talking about uh, Indians history. Let's go through this week, do a little bit of chatter today on some events in Indians history. This is kind of interesting and something I did not know. In 1911, uh, James E. Gaffney and Montgomery Ward, who was a former player, I didn't realize he had been a player, they bought the Boston Doves, and they would then change it to the Braves because of Gaffney's tie to Tammany Hall, which is one of those infamous uh, political negative, you know, that's how McKinley got elected was through Tammany Hall and the New York City corruption. Uh, so it's through that corruption that Boston was called the Braves uh, after originally having been the Doves, which, again, is just, if you are someone who likes history, that's just a fun tie-in. I don't know why that got put on the Indians history page. Uh, this was on December 13th, by the way, going back to Sunday. That's uh, Manny Ramirez signing with the Red Sox. And then eight years later, the Indians signing Kerry Wood, which would turn into one of their last kind of big free agency splurges and one of their worst it never seemed to work out. How about in uh, December 14th of 1948 when the Indians get early win in Mickey Vernon for Eddie Robinson, Joe Hayes, and Eddie Clyman. Uh You know, Eddie Robinson was, well, he had been, Uh, part of the 48 championship team because this is after that season. Uh, But, you know, Vernon was actually a better first baseman. We kind of talked about this on some podcasts last year, looking into Mickey Vernon, but early win turned into one of the greats for the Indians. And let's see, we have some some changes to commissioners then. Uh, We have in December 15th, that uh, Frank Lane replaces Hank Greenberg as the general manager of the Indians uh, between... er, Yeah, So, and and just talking about how he makes a ton of trades, most of them not all that great. Uh, Moving on to December 16th, we got nothing. December 17th, we have nothing. December 18th, uh, looking ahead to Friday... Some fun ones in here. LSW Ryan resigns after uh, failing to secure a vote of confidence at the shareholders meeting. So he loses a showdown with uh, Hank Greenberg. And the president resigns and sells his stock for a lot of money. And we end up with a new owner. Uh, Sandy Alomar Jr. agrees to, in 2000, a $5.4 million two-year deal with the White Sox. Uh, it turned out to be a very bad deal for the White Sox because Sandy Alomar continued his inability to stay healthy. Uh, you know, that 97 year was such a great season, but you get rid of like 1919, 1997. Every other year, Sandy Alomar was either hurt or below average bat. And White Sox uh, paid for it there. And the Indians trade John Rocker to the Rangers for David Elder uh david elder i have no memories of i do remember giving up steve carsey for john rocker uh when you type david elder into google you don't even uh he doesn't pop up you know normally at least there's some tie to a baseball player david elder 2002 2003 he would pitch uh 19 games in the majors that first year in 2002 he was actually pretty solid Next year, not so much. Uh, Lefty, maybe? No, he was a righty. Undersized right-hander. Boy, the Indians just wanted to get rid of uh, John Rocker pretty bad, right? Georgia Tech pitcher. By the time the Indians got him, he was already 26. um, And had largely been kind of mediocre in the minors. Could miss some bats, but struggled with control. And, yeah, they got 19 games out of him. So that's kind of the, we can, and then December 19th, we have no history. So that kind of ends the Indians history for this week as well for this show. We have another day to go. We'll see if there's anything interesting happening in the world of baseball. Sadly, as I kind of complained about earlier, we're just missing interesting things happening in the world of baseball because baseball is kind of everyone's sitting on their hands. The winter meetings are done, got some very minor transactions. The Indians aren't doing anything at all. Uh, We're just kind of locked into a holding pattern. Uh, it's like Die Hard too. we're just circling everyone's circling the airport right now thank you for listening to the podcast uh hey we we had a nice jump on the uh the chartable got up into the top 150 had some podcasts individual ones get up into the top tw- had one get up into the top 20 the rule five ones so thank you all remember to download daily if you can uh, press play when you're not using your phone with the sound off. If you're not going to be able to listen to that day, you know, getting the plays plus the downloads really helps the show. Uh, rating and review is huge as well. Uh, tell a friend, any of that stuff. I always appreciate it. So thank you. I've been Jeff Ellis. You can find me on Twitter at Jeff MLB Draft. And as always, or at least for the next year, go tribe.